From the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hey, everybody, Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the podcast. Sales Training World, we're thrilled to have you. This is the month of April 2017. Wow, I've got a special treat for you today. Cool sales cat. Ryan Stuman is going to join us and answer uh, your listener questions. Ryan is the CEO of Hardcore Closer, uh, has one of the most popular sales blogs on the, on the internet. He is irreverent. He is funny. He is fun. And I love to expose all of my listeners to new people that have new perspectives outside of our bubble. A lot of you know I do a lot of advertising media sales, uh, digital technology sales, and Ryan has done so much more than that. So I think you're going to love his answers to these questions, and he has a very special gift for all of you at the end of the podcast. So stick around and stay close for that. Big shout out to all the friends and fine folks we met at the Super Niche event in Charlotte, North Carolina here a few weeks ago. Beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. So thank you, Carl, Becca, Christy, and the cast and crew there uh, for showing us such a good time. Also, big shout out to the New York Press Association, a bunch of great folks that we met last week in Saratoga Springs, New York. All right, each and every month, you submit your questions here to the Sales Training World podcast, Ryan at BrainswellMedia.com. And live from Dallas, Texas, uh, we've got Ryan Stuman on the line. And Ryan, I am thrilled to have you. You're a big fan and love to have you dissect some of these uh, questions for us. So maybe let's just get started. Tell the folks, uh, the listeners, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background and why you love sales so very much. Man, I'm glad to be here, Ryan. <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's it's uh, we got to come up with something catchy that's a play on our names for this show. It's <laughs> like you got, I'm Ryan, you're Ryan, and I'm looking at some of the questions too, and and they're asked by somebody named Ryan. So it's like we got all sorts of stuff going on over here. This is going to go uh, down as the 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 sales Ryan show. We're gonna exactly. come up with something good by the time. Yeah, we yeah, totally. Yeah, so, uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, of course. Yeah, sort of a wonder twin power kind of thing is as what I'm. That's it. So. Ryan hey, squared. So uh, <laughs> I love it exactly. Hey, man, if you would just um tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I know who you are, but um tell folks a little bit about yourself and and kind of uh, you know what you've been uh, covering lately as it relates to sales. All right. Well, I am uh, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. I don't own a horse or a that's pair of cowboy boots or one of those big 10-gallon hats for the record. <laughs> Surprisingly, most people think that's how we roll down here, but we're 7 million strong in my city. So it's uh, it's a big area that we live in around here. Uh, but so I've, I've never had a salary job my whole entire life. I've never taken a day of paid vacation. I've never had anything other than a commission income job. Uh, and I'm 37 years old. So I would say that that qualifies me to talk about sales a little bit. I have one of the top uh, sales uh, blogs on the internet, hardcorecloser.com. I've written several best-selling books, surprisingly only one of them about sales. I like, I have come from a, uh, a background that's very humble beginning. I've been divorced and homeless and on drugs and in prison and, and divorced and homeless and on drugs and in prison again, right? I like to, it's how we salespeople learn by doing the same thing over and over a few times <laughs> so we can't take the pain anymore, right? Right. And so, uh, 
and, and, and sales has been the one constant in my entire life, Ryan, that's been there for me. My parents left me. Sales was there to get me back on the street because a lot of times you get in a gym, people can go back and fall on their parents for money. Yeah. <clears throat> sales was the only thing that I had. I had no family to back me up. I, sales is the one constant. When I got out of prison, I was broke as hell. I got back into sales and sales was the one thing that got me back on track. It's been the one constant loyal and really the only constant loyal thing to me in my entire life. So to say that I'm passionate about sales and, and helping salespeople because I know what it can do for, for you because of what it's done for me. I, I have an eighth grade education and have used sales to go from like subterranean in debt, coming out of prison, owing all sorts of money to becoming a multimillionaire, liquid, no debt, like tons of assets, real estate from coast to coast, all within a short period of time, from considerably short period of time from selling. So uh, I guess that's like my, my background and my story and why I get all hyped up talking about sales and stuff. You know? Yeah, right on, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. I feel like a lot. There's so much growth uh, that comes uh, out of adversity. And I just, man, I love the sales business. And people uh, say, ask me what I do. Well, when, when I'm on a plane and people ask me what I do, I usually say I'm a paid assassin because I don't really want to, I don't want to spend too much time talking to them sometimes. Um, but then I mentioned say, <laughs> then I mentioned sales, and um, it's just a universal conversation. Everybody says to me, and they probably say it to you, "Hey, what's that? What's the one? What's the one tip? What's the one secret?" And everybody's looking to like work smarter and not harder. And I don't know how you feel about it, man, but I just feel like it's it's a it's a great business, but it's a freaking it's hard work. And if we can figure out ways to work together uh, with smarter processes and and smart, just be smarter about it. Uh, we can feed our families for a lifetime. It sounds like you feel the same way. It, it's definitely hard work in sales, and and it's it's not for everybody. You know what happens is <clears throat> the CEO of the company who's not in sales, they're the CEO, goes out to dinner, sees a waiter, the waiter walks up, and they know how to repeat the specials, and they seem super friendly, and they're like, "You do well in sales. Come work in my job." <laughs> they go there, and this person's like, "Wow, the CEO thinks I'll do good in sales." Turns out they're not a salesperson; they're an order taker. Right. right. That happens all the time. But then they're an order taker with an ego who refuses to leave the sales world. Right. And then you get people that are that are stuck in there. You're, but you're right. Like, uh, what is it from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? You, he says, you know, I'll, you'll be telling stories one day about how you used to work in sales. And it was a tough racket. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I've got to, you know, I'd love to um, every week uh, or every month or every day, I guess um, I'm constantly getting questions from people and love to feature them on the program. And very rarely do I have the opportunity um, to actually talk with somebody that um, after reading and, and just really spending a lot of time looking at your videos online, I feel like you can add a unique and really fun perspective uh, to this conversation. So if you're cool with it, I'd love to throw one, two, three, four, five, maybe six questions at you, maybe discuss it. Uh, together and uh, and see if we can't give some people some helpful advice to uh, help them grow their careers, feed their families, so on and so forth. Sound good to you? Let's do it. All right, cool. So obviously, uh, so I've got this first question. Obviously, there is uh, a little preface on it. We've got different groups of people. You know, you've got your Gen Xers and millennials and baby boomers, et cetera, et cetera. So Rex from Chicago uh, sent in a question. And the question is, how does the millennial buyer differ from other buyers. So I'd love to get your perspective on it, Ryan, and maybe chat about it with you a little bit. Well, that's a, a really good question. And they they vary a lot because they grew up with technology. You see, when when I don't know how you old how old you are, Ryan. 45, like brother, only 45, still batting a thousand. Right. <laughs> gotcha. So you got seven years on me. So when you grew up, just like when I grew up, 
we had like black and white TVs, you know, in our rooms. If we had a TV in our room, I remember being five years old. I got my parents hand me down black and white TV that used to be in the living room. And, and we didn't really, we like, we played outside. We didn't have iPads, iPhones, the generations that are younger, the millennial and, and whoever, whatever they call the thing below that, uh, they've grown up with technology their entire lives and they've learned how to communicate differently than you and I did. Just like uh, the generation that's grown, I have two kids and uh, the generation that's grown up now, they're learning like common core math. That's something different than you and I learned. Right. And the millennial buyer came up with something different than you and I did. So here's how this works. They've, they're cautious, but, and I don't mean to like lump somebody together. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. weird. Sounds like, like for lack of a better phrase, it's when the word to me, millennial just sounds kind of racist, not, not racist, <laughs> but like that same twinge you get, you know what I mean? It's like, because so many people have made it a negative word. And here's what I do know about them. They are smart and they're technologically advanced. And here's what happens is you and I think we have to work hard for something. The millennial looks at things like, how can I let software or something else do the work for me to where I can actually enjoy my time? Right. Uh, there's, there's just a different mindset, which is, which is awesome. It's just a different mindset that some people don't get, but here's what I teach my salespeople when it comes to selling to like first time home buyers who would be millennials or first time car buyers who would be millennials and stuff like that. Uh, apartment renters, those are the millennial crowd. It's like, you have to hide the salesperson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our tendency is, is not mine, but usually in the sales community, the tendency is to you know, face to face, get them on the phone, go sit down and meet somewhere, come to my office type of thing. And millennials aren't like that. They're like, just email me, just text me. Don't call me. That's weird. Right. right. They think mm-hmm. call, calling them is weird. And so when you have advertising, when you're trying to sell them, you really do have to hide the salesman until it's the last minute. Because like, for example, uh, a real estate agent would be considered a salesperson. And so in an ad that we run for real estate agents, we only promote the house. And then we promote the house, the house, the neighborhood until the last minute when they realize that they've got to get in touch with the salesperson if they want to have access to that house. And so we hit, but all along, we never let them know that a salesperson was involved. We positioned it as if it was a corporation sending up just typical customer service emails and follow up. And that's the way that millennials are buying these days, because if you try to get them on the phone, they, they get scared away and they're like, oh, dude, this guy calls me. I don't want to be like working with somebody who's <laughs> going to call me because that's, that's not what they're interested in. And, and I'm on the border of that. Right. Like the, just a couple of years younger me starts the millennial thing. And right. And so, like, I'm in the middle of both of those. I get technology. And dude, if you call me, it better be something serious too. My like if I look down on my phone and I see that somebody on my team call me, I know that it's serious. Other than that, they just text me. Right. And so that's the difference. You're going to have to learn how to close people via text and you're going to have to start hiding the salesman until it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, right on. You know, SAP did a really big study uh, that I was reading about in Sales and Marketing Management magazine and something like 80 some percent uh, of millennial buyers would rather go to the dentist than talk to a salesperson. I feel like uh, on from a sales perspective, you should be able to get 80 some percent, if not more of the information required to close the deal if I'm a buyer from your website. And what's scary to me, and I know you see this because you spend a lot of time in the marketing side of the house, much more than me, people's websites suck. I mean, they're just terrible. And when you go, you can't get the majority of the information. Um, what you said is so smart and so right. And that is we've got to put the information in front of them in the way that they want to receive it, really not the way that you want to, you know, that you want to give it. How do you feel about that 80 some percent uh, number Ryan would rather go to the dentist than talk to a salespeople. I, I kind of feel that's right. How do you feel about it? 
the only good sales movie out there, the only time the media has done us any favors, and it's really not even a favor, is Tommy Boy. Think yeah. about it. He has <laughs> he goes situational leader. He has a coach. The coach keeps pushing him and challenging him. He keeps practicing his craft till he finally gets it. He saves the town. He saves the company. He closes the sale. He gets the chick. Dude, but that's billed as like some stupid ass comedy. It's not even like billed as a sales movie like like Boiler Room or something like that. So right. I can't really blame them for not wanting to talk to us. There's a lot of people that have influenced them that, that we're bad news and going to rip them off, which isn't true. We're Most of us are empathetic and want to help people. Yeah, right on. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, agreed a thousand percent. All right, cool. So uh, good question, Rex. Hopefully um, that was uh, will be some help to you. So, all right. Uh, New York, New York. Uh, Sarah P. Sarah P. sent in this question for us to dissect. This is a good one. Why do most buyers today expect a discount? Why do most buyers today expect a discount? What's your thoughts on that one, my friend? Well, much like the uh, previous answer question, you know, generationally, uh, the millennials or whatever have been programmed that, that salespeople are bad. Uh, salespeople have been knocking their knees and laying down like cowards for years. And now the customer knows that it, that they can get over on us and get a discount, you know? And so there's been companies that think about it. No, no, no car ad. And I'm not a car salesman, but just think about this. If you saw an ad on TV that was like, come on down to park cities Ford, pay full price for a vehicle. <laughs> that just doesn't, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It's like, come on down and we're slashing prices. Right. We'll give you a discount and a rebate and another discount. If you watch the, the, you know, commercials for mortgage rates. Hey, we'll give you a discount rate and it'll be the cheapest interest rate that you can. Hey, come into us. We'll give you 50% off. Hey, over here's a coupon for 25%. Shit. Salespeople are just dropping their pants every which way they can from the marketing department. And so the marketing department, which marketing is needed, right? right. And marketing yep. gets attention. Sales gets money. Okay. Yep. So there are two different divisions. Marketing gets attention. Sales gets money. So you got all these things offering discounts and everything else because their job's not to get money. Their job's to get attention. And attention comes from offering people discounts and free shit and everything else. And so meanwhile, the, the, the salespeople, it actually makes our job harder because then we get on the phone with somebody who's been through the marketing and that's how they got their attention. And then they're mad at us because we don't want to knock 50% off of our commission right to be able to meet the ridiculous price they were offered. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Walmart's become the new normal. I mean, it's just it's very unusual for people even to market products of quality. I mean, just become the new normal that, um, hey, if you can't give me a discount, I'm not going to do business with you. And I just I try to, to gauge, you know, gauge folks and try to, to push them in the direction of if you want to uh, people pay more for things when they accurately understand what they're getting. Because we all know that a Lexus is a high-end Toyota, but, but because we know that, we're willing to potentially pay more uh, for all the added, you know, this added value that comes with it. And a ton of times I feel like, maybe you feel the same way, salespeople continuously negotiate against themselves and it kills me. How do you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. You know, some salesmen set up like, you know, Zillow or TrueCar or Realtor.com, that was set up and designed by basically a salesperson and you're right. Then it's on the race to the bottom, which is the worst thing ever. You know, I've watched uh, companies that, you know, are in competing businesses around here, go out of business because they both race to the bottom. And, and it's scary. You go to Kohl's, they're like, you know, Hey, here's 50% off. Plus if you use buy two of them, we'll give you another 50% off. If you go to Nordstrom's, it's like, Hey, here's 50% off. Take there's the sales rack. Like people are seriously conditioned to expect that deep, but it's the salespeople who are doing it. And really I say the salespeople, but it's the marketing department. Right. But, you know, I know that when uh, in the mortgage business and in the insurance business and in the car business uh, that, that I have personally been in, I know for a fact 
that if you tell the salesperson the bottom price, guess what they'll sell that shit at? Right. Bottom price or low bottom price. Yeah. If they don't know the bottom price, they'll sell it at whatever price you give them. But if you give them the bottom price, then that's what they'll end up selling it at. And like you said, maybe even want a damn discount. And that comes from a lack of confidence and lack of confidence is a lack of currency because a lot of people think that the prospect understands the inner working of how their business is done. The prospect's just willing to ask if you're willing to drop your price one more time. Yep. And they don't know if you're going to do it or not. But if you shit, if you keep volunteering to do it every time that they ask, they'd be a fool not to ask you. Exactly. For me, the one big thing that I want people to stop doing, and that is go to the discount right away in your sales proposals. Everybody immediately offers a discount or the end of the email says, if this price range doesn't fit within your budget, let me know where I need to be and I'll work with my boss or something like that to figure it out. I just feel like people immediately, like you said, run to the bottom and I'm, it's just killing us as salespeople. I think it's just killing us. All right, um, cool. All right, Larry uh, from Fresno, California asks, man, I get this a lot. I don't know if you get this very often, but I hate my CRM. So for those of you that don't know what a CRM, so that'd be your customer relations management tool like, um, like Salesforce or something like that. I hate my CRM. It seems like a waste of time. What am I uh, doing wrong? Um, any thoughts on that, uh, Ryan? I've got a couple. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well, Larry, let's talk about why you hate your CRM first. <laughs> Is it because you're being maybe lazy and not just learning it and you're resisting it? Because listen, what you resist persists. If you keep fighting this damn thing, it's only going to come at you fighting harder. If you just learn to work with it, you use what's called CRM Aikido. Instead of using the force to punch it in the face using CRM Karate, use CRM Aikido and you just embrace it, learn it, and use it. And if you don't like your CEO, now listen, speaking from a guy that is CEO of, of multiple companies and started out in all of them as a salesperson, right? Even my coaching business had to be the sales guy, the CEO, wear all the hats, right? So I've been on the front lines, the front lines of selling all sorts of stuff. Like I said in the beginning, never had a salary job. Look, I hated CRMs too. But as a, now as a CEO, I know better than I did as the salesperson. And here's what I'll share with you. As the CEO, I know that if I put systems in place and I get my salesperson to operate within those systems, then I can have predictability in my revenue streams. As a salesperson, all I'm trying to do is make a sale and make some money and collect my commission check, as many as possible, whatever it takes. And the CRM takes away time, it takes away uh, 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 energy and everything else. However, as a CEO, I can tell you that the CRM will make a salesperson better. Here's why. If you're using it correctly, it's not only going to give you the lead, it's going to tell you when to follow up with it. It's going to tell you what you need to follow up with. It's going to remind you about the lead. So if you're setting that CRM to remind you every two days to follow up with somebody or to remind you every two days to send that person an email or whatever it is that you know that you need to be doing in order to close the sale. In my business, it's follow up for six months. Right. And we use that CRM to be able to do that. Now, it, without the CRM, which I operated for many years, our numbers were not predictable. They were less because you think you've made those calls every day. But if you're actually checking them off on a CRM, you can actually say, hell, I made 50 calls this week, like 50 serious sales calls, not not 50 dials, 50 calls. And so you can like you can have that with the CRM because it's measurable and trackable. You know, as a salesperson, we tend to forget our brains are all over the place. You know, at the end of Friday, you feel like you did 50 calls and you had 10, but you don't really know because you don't have anything to measure it against. And that's what a CRM exists for. Now, here's the two things that I'll give you. If it's uh, your, your company's CRM 
Ask somebody to train you better on it. Ask somebody that's there that understands it. What is the purpose behind this CRM and, and where is it going to be best leveraged for you to make money? Somebody in that company got that CRM to make money. Go ask them to help you make money with the CRM that they invested money in. Number two, if it's your own CRM and you're using it and you don't like it, then you, my friend, need to switch over to pipe drive. Uh, which is what we use. And, and there's a million CRMs out there. And I'm not telling you to go set up another one. Pipe drive is stupid cheap. And it was ridiculous easy for even someone like me with an eighth grade education to set up. And I have never had a salesperson that I have hired ever complain about pipe drive. I've had them complain about Infusionsoft and everything else, but they like absolutely loved uh, pipe drive. So that, that may be an alternative. I don't get paid by them or anything else. I'm just saying after I have exhausted a lot of them, that one real pipe drive really made an easy fix for me. So yeah, awesome. hope that helps, Larry. Great advice, Ryan. On the media side of my selling business, I use a CRM called the Magazine Manager and the Newspaper Manager. And then I've got on the non-media side, I use a whole smattering of CRMs, everything from high rise uh, by 37 signals down to Salesforce. So I think there's a lot of them out there. Check them out if you're not happy with the one that you have and find one that you can get real comfortable with because great salespeople typically use a CRM tool. I know very few highly, highly successful salespeople that, re that refuse to use a CRM. Almost, I think, every serious salesperson I know uh, owns their CRM. I mean, they own it. Have you observed that? Or do you know a lot of people that actually are, are very successful without using it? No, that is a, that is a great point. Uh, you're exactly right. Like, I don't know anybody who's making millions of dollars annually in sales that uh, resist a uh, CRM. That's a very good point. Cool. All right, Larry, I hope you find that helpful, man. And, uh, you know, fall in love with your CRM, dude, get some, get some training. As Ryan said, I find that the majority of people that don't max out their CRM, it's because you don't know how to use it uh, correctly. And um, if you're using something big time like Salesforce or something like that, they've got webinars and all kinds of that stuff uh, online. So check that out. So, all right, uh, Ryan, you got time for a couple more? A couple more? Bring them on, man. All right, cool. Bring all right. Them on. I love this one. I run into this all the time. So JB, not JB, J-A-Y-B from Minneapolis, St. Paul. You're going to love this one. My, my sales manager does not sell at all. <laughs> it's pretty common. Most of his Imagine advice, that. <laughs> I'm laughing because this has happened to me so many times. Most of his advice seems really old school. I imagine that. So he says, I am 39. Uh, so pretty close to you, Ryan. Um, he, he, meaning the sales manager, is 55. So uh, JB is asking for any advice. So my sales manager doesn't sell at all. Most of his advice seems really old school. I'm 39. He's 55. Uh, any advice? What's what's your? I'm sure you've been <laughs> down this road like I have before. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in my webinars, Ryan, <clears throat> I talk about the evolution of sales <laughs> and what happens is. And my buddy Zig Ziglar, he used to tell this story. He called his wife the redhead. So I'll give you my Zig Ziglar impression here. He's like, you know, one Christmas the redhead's in the kitchen and she's cutting the ends of the ham off of our beautiful and delicious ham, and he basically, the story is he goes in there and he asks his wife, he's like, why don't you cut the ends of the ham off? She goes, my mom always did it. Why don't you go ask her? He goes in the other room, asks his, the, the mother. It's like, hey, why don't you cut the ends of the ham? She goes, it's what my mom always did. So he goes in the living room and asks the grandma why she cut the ends of the ham off. She goes, I don't know why those two do it, but I never had a pan big enough to fit the whole ham in. <laughs> and see, Zeke was confused because he liked the ends of the ham, right? Those were the most delicious part. And he's like, my, my beautiful new bride's cutting off the most delicious part of the pig here. So 
That's kind of the same story with our sales manager. He's 55 when his sales manager, who is now 65, when he first stepped on the scene, it was, hey, man, go knock doors and make cold calls, right? Right, right. Then you're 39. Now he's 55. You're there. He's telling you the same thing that he was told. Hey, man, go knock doors and make cold calls. And so and I assume that's what it is at old school. And you're 39, which is sort of old school too, right? So what you've got to do is you've got to stop it. You've got to be the voice of reason. You've got to be Zig Ziglar saying, well, we'll buy you another pan, honey, right? A bigger pan. And so what you've got to do is you've got to figure out if he's old school, just explain that to him. Go, well, what is it that makes you think that that this is the way to do things? And he's going to go, that's the way that I built it. And you're going to go, exactly, man, that was 20 years ago. Wow, you did a great job. Don't, Don't balk at him. Don't try to get in the ego pissing contest with him. Go, well, you did a great job. You have to remember that that was, you know, 20 years ago before or even 10 years ago before the Internet or social media was even a thing. We've got to rethink this if we're going to stay ahead of the curve or we're going to end up getting left behind. You know, one time I had a sales rep, a sales manager did the same thing to me, Ryan. And so this may potentially work for you, JB. I said, uh, if it's cool with you, I'd like to work 10 accounts your way. And I'd like to work five accounts my way. And the 10 and five is important. Don't do 10 and 10. 10 accounts your way, five accounts my way, because that means you're giving him some credit for his system that he thinks works. And you're going to have to prove it to him that your way is is better. So, you know, if you're going to try it on five accounts, usually they'll give it a shot. They're not going to probably say, probably say no. Here's the other thing too. If it's just not working out, okay, there's one really awesome thing about sales. If it's not working out and he won't let you try a few your way or whatever the circumstance is, and I think Ryan gave you some good advice there too, JB. Uh, there's a lot of other sales jobs uh, that are out there, a lot of other sales jobs, and some of them might even pay more, more, pay more money. So if you feel like you're not getting along, in my opinion, I wouldn't be afraid to find uh, another gig because good salespeople are hard to find. And that guy's going to know that or you're going to find somebody else that's going to appreciate you for, uh, you know, for your style, you know, for your style. So cool. All yep. right, good. Uh, JB, I hope that's helpful, man. All right. How about one last one? And, um, and then I know that, uh, Ryan, you've got a special uh, gift that you'd like to uh, offer out to all the listeners. So, okay, this is from Taylor in Boston. And it's probably a good one to, to, uh, uh, to end on. I'm being forced to go through a national sales training program. It is really bad. It's really bad. And the strategies are super old school. I bet you I could guess who this person's talking about. I actually tried the strategy. <laughs> And a buyer laughed at me. <laughs> you know, what should I do? <laughs> so I guess we'll try. Maybe I kind of want to name names, but I guess we, we won't name names. I've got some thoughts. What are, what, are, what are your thoughts to kick this one off, Ryan? Well, in order to close the sale, whether this trainer is effective or bad or good or in between, right? Let's take that off the, pl- the plate. And let's know that in order to make a sale, you have to be fully confident in not only your capability to communicate, but your ability to communicate about your effectiveness of your product and solving that person's problem. And if you feel like incompetence, right? If you're not confident, then what happens is you'll step in there. And of course, if you say something that's a bad thing to begin with, and then you're awkward about it, it makes it even worse. And so if that makes you uncomfortable, don't do it. A lot of people say you got to get out of your comfort zone. But if it makes you look uncomfortable in front of the the prospect, you're not trying to get them out of their comfort zone. You try to keep them comfortable and cushy and ready to pay you. And so what I would do is if it doesn't work for you, Taylor, uh, what I would do, though, I'd go find somebody that meshes with your style and it fits better for your industry. Let's say you're following uh, since Zeke's dead. We'll just say that Zeke's the old school guy that you tried some of his stuff and it didn't work for you. It's like, okay, well then maybe you need to go follow somebody who's newer school, right? Somebody that's out there. That's, that's 
on the cutting edge of this stuff and maybe not somebody else, but don't go telling your boss, I'm not going to do this stuff. Just do what you got to do there. But man, don't let that be the end of your sales training. Go actually get good sales training. And then in a month when your boss is like, Hey man, you know, your sales are up or Hey lady, whatever it is, Taylor, it's like your sales are up. Be like, absolutely. I didn't take your old school garbage. I took this other stuff, but I didn't want to not invest in myself because I knew the company had invested in me. Dude, yeah. you're going to go places when that happens. Yeah, right on. And the other, you know, thing that you mentioned that's really awesome is that the company is invested. I'm granted, you think Taylor, that the program sucks and I get that the company though has invested. So at least they're making a somewhat of an effort uh, to try to get you there. But Ryan, I don't know how you feel about this, but the, one of the best decisions I ever made was hiring a coach and you and I both coach people. And so it's a little bit of a plug for both of us, but, um, the, what's one of the best decisions I ever made was find a, find a coach, find a mentor. And they have really, my coaches have, have really helped change my life. So I feel like go through the program and don't you think that, um, I think almost everybody can benefit from coaching on the sales side. Uh, what do you think about that, Ryan? I can promise you this. The people that are performing at the top 1% all have mentors and coaches. The people that are performing at the top 10% all have mentors and coaches. The rest of you, why would you even want to be in that category anyway? Exactly. Exactly. And people say to me, they'll say all the time, wow, that's really expensive. No, this is an investment in you. It's an investment in your future. And if you can't recoup the cost of your coach, you need to find a different coach. Seriously. Um, We do this, Ryan and I do this because we absolutely freaking love to see people be successful. If you're surrounded by people that don't get excited about your success, you are surrounded by the wrong people. I unfriend people on Facebook all the time that make comments uh, that are negative towards the successful things that I post online. People like Ryan and I get excited when you get successful. And you don't know the number of times, Taylor, that I have paid personally for my own coach because the company wouldn't do it. And I don't know. I'm living proof. Yeah, (laughs) I'm living proof that, hey, uh, coaching, you know, really, really, uh, you know, really, really works. So hope that you that you find that uh, find that helpful, uh, Taylor. Hey, man, great questions and uh, great thoughts from, in my opinion, from both uh, from both the, the Ryan's. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. And, and uh, Ryan, you've got a special gift for everybody, which I think is absolutely awesome. So uh, tell everybody uh, what they can get uh, by just listening to a few words from you right now. <laughs> it sounds like a game show host, right? <laughs> and in this corner behind the curtain, we have free books from Ryan Stuman. Just simply go to Elevator to the Top and grab your copy. Have it shipped right to your house. It's paperback, dark cover, beautiful, handsome author on the back of it. You'll love the thing. Ships right to your house via the internet within a couple of days. Head over to elevatortothetop.com. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Elevator. Now, to- really, everybody, you can get you can get my book for free at elevatortothetop.com. Uh, it's uh, you just pay for the shipping and handling. We'll mail it right to your house. You can have the book uh, absolutely free. Just go to elevatortothetop.com. All right. Very, very cool. Elevator to the top.com. And uh, that's uh, that's great. Ryan, man, it's been great to hang out with you. We need to do this uh, more often and love to keep uh, these questions rolling in. Uh, if you've got questions uh, for Ryan or for myself, I'm happy to pass those uh, along as well uh, to Ryan. And so just keep them coming. Ryan at brainswellmedia.com. Ryan at brainswellmedia.com. Dude, man, it's been really great um, hanging out with you. I sure appreciate all your thoughts and uh, your comments. Any last words for folks uh, before we wrap up the podcast for this month? Man, just uh, get out there, stay motivated and close some sales, everybody. Love to answer your questions here on the podcast. Send me those questions to ryan at brainswellmedia.com. 
And while I mostly focus on media, technology, now in manufacturing, do a little work in aviation, our programs work for basically any outside sales organization. So I'd love to chat with you about that. Love to come and speak at your sales meetings. Love to coach you and be a part of that process. We've got coaches here at Sales Training World ready and willing to help you. So just reach out, Ryan at brainswellmedia.com. All right, friends, we'll see you on the next broadcast. Keep your questions coming this way. And never forget, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not so we're either crazy or we found a profession that's going to feed our families for a lifetime all right friends get out there and sell something so that your boss will hire me and bring me in and we'll see you next time here on the broadcast all right friends god bless we'll see you out on the streets